The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. in Jesus, we've come this far by faith. How far have you come by faith? Trusting in Jesus, have you come out and walked by faith in what God has called you to do? Or have you held back and it's only been a sentimental idea? How far have you come by faith? You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. When we go to Hebrews, the 11th chapter, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, By faith, Abraham obeyed, being called to go out to a place which he was about to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as a stranger in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Now he was looking forward to the city having the foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself. Remember, faith always has at its base a rhema word. The rhema word is a revelation of divine will. It requires cooperation. It requires courage and sacrifice. It is a call to a task or a duty. It is part of a mission to be carried out by the one who receives this word. 
A rhema is a call of God that puts something in harmony with his will or his purpose on the earth, thus setting up a person against the age in which he lives. This is the very heart. This is the very essence of spiritual conflict, spiritual warfare. To bring that rhema word into full fulfillment. Now, every time faith is spoken of, for it to be biblical faith, there must be a rhema word at its base. And so my question to you today, have you received a rhema word from God? Has he called you to take up some action? And have you done what he asked you to do? Now, frankly, some of you have no idea of ever hearing a word from God. The reason you've never heard from God is that you have been far from the course where you can find God. Always we find God in line with righteousness repentance, holiness. We always find God in direct line with carrying out his rhema word for this earth, the rhema word of redemption, of grace, of salvation. This past week, it was Thursday, I went to the post office to see what had been sent to help cover the cost of radio for this month. And in the post office, there was a letter from a precious believer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. It was a check made out in the amount of $336.42. Now, I don't know how she arrived at that figure. I suspect it was her tithe. It was addressed to the National Prayer Chapel. I opened the letter, and inside was the check. But there was also a note that I found very interesting. The note said, God made me write this check. In other words, a rhema word from God came to this woman write the tithe check to the National Prayer Chapel, and she obeyed that. She came out and did exactly what God told her to do, even though the sense in the note was, I would never have done this on my own. This is something God had to make me do. I praise God that she was faithful to the call of Jesus and did exactly what Jesus told her to do and wrote the check. I suspect that there are many others of you listening. You have been prompted with a conviction in your heart to write a check for Pilgrim's Progress. Some of you have done that, and many of you have never done that. Because there is a resistance in your heart when the Word of God comes to you. Some of you have been told to visit the National Prayer Chapel, but you have not yet come. I understand. There's distance to be traveled, perhaps. There are schedules to be kept, perhaps. But still, the word of God was, I want you to go. But it's inconvenient to go. And after all, we can receive the same thing close by. We don't need to inconvenience ourselves. Does the Lord ever come and say, please don't inconvenience yourself, but if you have time, would you mind doing this for me? Are you kidding me? He's never said that to me. He gives commands, rhema words, and then he expects that rhema word to be carried out.
when I was a child, six, seven years of age, the Lord gave me dreams about what he was going to do in ministry in America. And he gave me a clear vision of what I was going to be doing when that work of God began to progress. I was standing in a large venue. As a child, I saw myself as an adult. I watched as crowds of people came. But what marked them as being so dramatically different than anything I had ever observed was that they were weeping, not just little tears. They were wailing before God. They were utterly heartbroken, so much so many of them were on their faces, and those who were coming were falling down before they even got into the building, and they were weeping with loud cries before God. And the Lord said to me, Your real ministry will not begin until toward the end of your life. And then he was gone. Now, some days later, my mother came to me, and she said something that was shocking to me, and I have no account because my mother was in no way a prophetess. She was a serious Christian. She did lead in the church in various responsibilities. She was the church treasurer. She led the Sunday school, or for her, the Sabbath school. My dad was the head elder of the church and often preached. She came to me, and she said to me very seriously, Raymond, for that's what she called me, Raymond, your ministry is not going to begin until the latter part of your life. And I was so shocked by her words because I had just heard the same words in a dream. I was shocked. I didn't like the sound of what I was hearing. Even as a small child, I was an extremely ambitious child. I wanted above all things to serve Jesus, but I also wanted above all things to be successful in serving Jesus. I went through college studying theology. I was offered three full scholarships to go to seminary. I chose one that I most thought was most enjoyable. It was from a conference in Pennsylvania. I was from Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Maryland also offered me full scholarships with stipends. I went to seminary. I graduated with the Bachelor's of Divinity, a professional degree. It used to be called Bachelor of Divinity, but today it's called a Master's of Divinity. I took my first church. I had been told at the conclusion of my high school years that Washington, D.C. would be my place of service. I was assigned a small church district in western Pennsylvania and drove a circuit of some 200 miles to preach in the churches, one being early morning, one being 11 o'clock, and then one being in the afternoon. So my circuit was a 200-mile circuit. I was not there very long, however, before I was invited to come to Washington, D.C., and I've basically been here since that time. I have spent now 
many years on radio in Washington, D.C. Please be patient. I am going somewhere with this. It's not simply my history. As the years began to unwind, initially I was extremely successful. Traveling as a young man, speaking in large venues of thousands of college and university students, holding conferences with pastors, 100 to 150 at a time. I was successful financially. I left seminary with my first Mercedes, and for the next 10 years, I always drove a new Mercedes every year. I lived in fine homes. I had a very nice lifestyle, and I was ambitious, and I wanted to win, and I wanted to make a name for myself, but I also wanted to serve Jesus. I finally made the decision to leave the denomination I was a part of by firing my bishop, and I became a community church pastor. Again, successful. Within the first year, we had 300 members. We were well on our way to building a mega church, and that's what I wanted. But the Lord stepped into all of that when I was about 42 years of age. He told me to close the church because it was mine, not his. I did so. And that began a period of about seven years where I had no public ministry, no job, no income. And you know what happens when you have no income. You begin to be stripped out. And so my wife and I were utterly stripped out, losing two houses, two cars, our retirement, our savings, until finally we had nothing left. And it was at that point that God stepped in and asked me a very simple question. Are you willing to receive from my hand only that which I will give you? And I said, yes. And from that day forward, I have only received from the hand of Jesus what he would give to me. I have not gone out and in any manner tried to take for myself financial resources to build my life or to be somebody. The years were severe discipline and continue to be in my life Severe discipline. Now, I share this with you so that you will understand when I say to you, this journey was most uncomfortable. I had been accustomed to having the financial resources at my disposal both in the church and in my personal life, that allowed me to do pretty much anything I wanted to do. If I wanted to go to Florida for a vacation, if I wanted to go to Europe, to Switzerland, if I wanted to make a trip to California, wherever I wanted to go, I had the resources and I simply went. But after all of this took place, the resources were dramatically curtailed, and I was in a position of constantly seeking the Lord just to put food on the table. And then as he blessed me, it was pleading with money for the radio. It was pleading for resources to build the National Prayer Chapel. It was step by step doing only what he told me to do. And then when I heard 
praying and waiting for confirmation in the physical realm because I'd learned that God always pays for what God orders. Now, part of the great temptation that my wife and I faced on this journey was that many times in utter discouragement, because I had been extremely successful up to that point in my life, facing the reality that there were business opportunities that were being presented to both of us. One of those business opportunities would have netted us an easy six-figure income. We could have been totally financially restored. But it would have meant leaving the pastoral ministry and going into full-time business. We were offered positions with various companies. We were offered the directorships of health clubs. My wife had a master's degree in nutrition and health education. The temptation was, this is too painful a journey. It is costing us too much. We need to make a change. Because up to that point in my life, when something was not working, I quickly would drop it and jump to the next best thing that was there as an opportunity. And always then making that a success... Or another opportunity would come and we would make that a success. In other words, I was completely success-oriented. I was oriented toward financial prosperity. And had you asked me at that point in my life, I would have said, God wants us to prosper and I walk by faith that he will make me prosper. I had been very much influenced by the word of faith. And I recognized as I walked this journey that I was going to have to finally lay down every business opportunity And I was going to have to walk and receive from God's hand only what he would give to me. And so my wife and I made a vow together that we would never again suggest to one another that we would leave the gospel ministry for a a prosperity business opportunity. That was a major decision on our part. Now, maybe you think that should not have been. I would agree with you. It should not have been. But it meant, for me, utterly giving up all hope of ever being successful. All hope of ever accomplishing something great. It meant giving up my childhood dream of being someone respected and loved because of accomplishment. And so we walked away from every business opportunity. We closed our eyes to them. And we said, Lord, we are going to trust in you and we will receive from you only that which you give to us. Now, I want to say to you, it has been extremely expensive. It has cost me many tears, many hours in the prayer closet, a death deeper than anything I could have imagined, a dying daily, 
a working into my heart that the bitter root would be utterly removed and anger would not rise up in my heart. You see, when we want something and we don't get it, often anger and bitterness result. It meant utterly giving up every notion of being a victim because I had every opportunity to walk away. There have been times in the last few years after Jan passed where I have allowed myself a few moments of imagination of what it would be like to simply have a few years of normal life and go start a business that I would enjoy doing. But very quickly I have dismissed those ideas and I have repented and I have said, Jesus, I will walk. I will walk in obedience to your rhema word to me that you will bring revival, that you will bring deep conviction into men's and women's hearts, and you will turn them from worldliness to godliness, that I will, in my life, experience the wonderful presence of your Holy Spirit doing a work of redemption in Washington, D.C., Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. That word substance, hypostasis, means to remain under the spoken word. To remain under the spoken word. And then, by faith, Abraham obeyed. That word obeyed is also from that same root of hypostasis, meaning to remain under the spoken word. By faith, Abraham remained under the rhema word he heard from God when he was called to go out to a place which he was about to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he's going. Now, I share this with you because I need to ask you a question. You obviously know from my sharing with you that the National Prayer Chapel yet remains a very small body of people, perhaps 40 or 45. We are a small body of people. We could not ever finance this radio broadcast on tithes and offerings not in pay the expenses for the small church. But the Lord said to come on the radio and that he would move in people's hearts to give, as he did in this precious woman who gave this last week $336.42 and said, God made me do it. Again, this is not listener-sponsored radio. This is Jesus-sponsored radio, and he moves in the hearts of those he chooses to move in. That's why I don't try to bribe you with books or tapes or magazines. I don't try to talk you into giving so you can get something. That's listener-sponsored radio. We're Jesus-sponsored radio. Big difference. For me, this is not a business operation. For me, this is a faith operation based on a rhema word that I should come and call you to repentance and confront you with your sin and call you out to walk by faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm not speaking to you today as one who has in any sense, arrived. I'm not speaking to you today 
as anything but a fellow traveler on the straight and narrow path. Having not yet arrived, but having been granted a promise from God, and based on that promise, not knowing where I'm going, I have walked out by faith. Now, please understand, we only have one life. And then we face the judgment. And so I've not been allowed to use my life to pleasure myself by where I go or what I do. I know of a man and woman who many years ago, more than 25 years ago, sold everything they had and have traveled in a a motor home across America and Mexico, Canada. He said to me, the thing I have missed the most is being a part of a local church where I could make a difference. No, he has not been a part of a local church where he could make a difference. He has been on a personal adventure, enjoying his life. I cannot do that. I cannot do that because a rhema word of God was spoken to me, and I have by faith obeyed that rhema word. And whether I see revival in my lifetime or not, for me it has been most profitable spiritually and for eternity to have simply obeyed the word of the Lord and done exactly what he has called me to do. Now, another brother that I know started his own business And then, as he grew in Jesus, began to understand that this business was his and not the Lord's. And they ran into great financial difficulty. And God has used this business to shape this man's heart and this man's life, and then his wife's heart and life. And the rhema word of God has come to them and said, I will deliver you, but wait. Well, to wait means that he must continue to operate that business at a financial loss with increasing amounts of debt. And the pressure is beyond what any human being is able to bear. I have been utterly astonished at their strength, emotional and physical strength in Jesus Christ, having totally given up the bitter root, having totally given up anger, having been humbled before God until they are both beautiful examples of godliness under the most severe discipline by God. I have noticed that when God speaks to someone, he starts right where they're at, and he takes them through what is in the Greek, the parasmos, that is, the piercing. Until a pastor, until a church has gone through the parasmus. They will just be a flesh church. And there are flesh churches on every street corner. It is when God speaks that rhema word and begins to call a man or a woman out, where he begins to call a church out, and he takes them into the wilderness where he can humble them and teach them to obey him. Now, I'm sharing all of this with you to 
simply raise a question with you. Have you received a rhema word from God regarding what he wants you to do? If you have not received that rhema word from God regarding the course of your life and the direction of your life, it is either because you did not have ears to hear that word or you blew that word off because he comes with a still small voice. He doesn't shout. He comes with a still small voice. And if your life is so full of entertainment and of worldliness and of expectations of greatness, you may never hear that word from God. And if you never hear that word from God, you may call yourself a Christian, but you will have no sense of spiritual direction. He has come to some of you and said, walk away from that alcoholic condition of your heart. And today you're still an alcoholic. You have blown off the rhema word of God, even though you are very religious. Jesus is not about religion. He's about obedience to the rhema word he speaks into your heart and into your life. God has spoken to some of you very boldly about forget about yourself, come and follow me. But you're so filled with yourself that you've blown off the word of God and have not listened and have not followed him. He's told some of you to move from where you are, but you have not obeyed and moved. He's told some of you to sell the house you're in, but you've refused. You're too comfortable. He's told others of you to buy a house, and your fear has blocked you. He's told others of you, go to this church, but it's much too inconvenient for you. Now, please understand, when God begins to speak into a man or woman's heart, a boy or girl's heart, and they blow God off because of their schedule, because it's inconvenient. The Holy Spirit will finally just leave, and he leaves you to your religion. He leaves you to your ritual practice of religion. because you are unwilling to pay the price of coming out and following the voice of the Lord God in obedience, not knowing where you're going. Most people that I talk with fit in this latter category. Does God speak with you? They say, no. I don't hear God's voice. How do you hear God's voice? Well, it's impossible for you to hear God's voice from where you're at. You have to be willing to take the action necessary to be able to hear God's voice. Romans, the 12th chapter. I summon you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service, and not to conform yourselves with this age, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is good and well-pleasing and the perfect will of God. The Apostle Paul is saying that you are to present your body 
as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, and this is your spiritual service. What does God want from you? God wants you to present yourself to him so that he can speak to you and tell you what his will is for your life. I know that if I were to ask most of you, what is God's will for your life? You would not be able to answer. One woman ordained by a bishop to be a pastor spoke with me many times, fervently declaring her love for Jesus. Her husband came to a point in his life where he said, Wife, I want to join you. Let's, let's be pastors together. Let's start a church. And she backed away. I've lost track of them now, and they don't have a church. They never were willing to make the sacrifice to have a church. It's not easy to start a church. Not unless the Lord Jesus speaks. How did I begin the National Prayer Chapel? Well, it was not easy. First, there was a small gathering of people who would pray with me. God gathered those people together. And then, with no source of income, no tithes and offerings to cover the cost, I pleaded with God, asking if we could go on the radio and preach repentance. And he arranged circumstances so that an insurance payment was made in the amount of the first month's cost of radio. Everyone said, you will be on one month and then shame the name of the Lord because you will not be on month number two. But Jesus miraculously moved in one of the listeners and they donated a sewing machine. The sewing machine was sold for the cost of the second month's broadcast. And so it went month after month. But very quickly, people responded to the broadcast. And soon, we had a congregation the size we have now meeting. People were eager to come when I simply preached repentance. It was when I began to preach righteousness and holiness that the visitors stopped coming from the radio. People did not want to hear. Not only could you repent and receive the grace of Jesus, but now you must also live a righteous life by the power of the blood of Jesus. And you must, by the power of the blood, not by your own strength, you must walk away from your sin and have it removed and the bondage is broken by faith in Jesus Christ. People didn't want to hear that. If I had preached about end times, the house would have been packed. If I had preached on the secret rapture and continued to speak about all the final events of earth's history, the eschatology, the house would have been filled. If I had preached on the Holy Spirit and Pentecost and receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit, house would have been full. But when I preached on righteousness and the breaking of every bondage of sin, you didn't want to hear that. And so the visitors stopped coming. 
Rarely do we have visitors now. It's only as God steps into a man or woman's life and calls them, do they come. And people come long distances from Hagerstown, Maryland, Boonesboro, Frederick, Gaithersburg, Germantown, Fort Washington, Hyattsville. They come from all over. They come because they've heard the call of the Holy Spirit and they've responded at great personal and family cost. So I guess today I need to ask you a question. What has God said to you? Or has he said anything at all? If he's not speaking to you at all, it's because you have not been willing to lay your life down on the altar of burnt offering. If God is not speaking at all to you, if he is not directing your steps, it's because you've blown them off so many times. You've calloused your ears and your heart, and you're too far from God to even hear him calling you. What has God said to you? Have you chosen a business opportunity or have you chosen to live in one place or another? Have you made choices that are not in agreement with what the Holy Spirit whispered into your heart so that instead of following him, you have followed your own wisdom? Believe me, on this journey many times, I would say to my precious wife before she passed, this is an utterly insane course of action we are taking. We should not go any further. We need to stop trying to build what God has called us to build. We need to go start business and make money and have a normal life. And then the convicting power of the Holy Spirit would come and I would have to repent. And then there were times when Jan would say to me, Ray, we need to stop this insane course. But fortunately, God never allowed us to say it both on the same day. And so when she was weak, I was strong. And when I was strong, when she was strong, I was weak. And the Lord led us to finally say, we will not ever say again that we will leave what God has called us to regardless of the personal cost. And so now I am, frankly, waiting for God to do what he has promised me from the time I was a child. I am now come to the latter part of my life. I'm now waiting on him to do what he promised me he would do many, many, many years ago. When he told me that he would bring forth great conviction of sin in Washington, D.C. and in this nation. I'm waiting and I'm watching. Because I want to see the power of God manifested for the salvation of the lost. That's my heart. That's everything to me. The will of God is everything to me. So by faith, Abraham obeyed, being called to go out to a place which he was about to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. 
Please understand, that cost Abraham a great, great deal. It cost him his family. It cost him money. It cost him his comfortable lifestyle in Ur. It was a very sophisticated city. Some have suggested even having running water. It was a place of business. He lost all of that and moved out into a tent. By faith, he lived as a stranger in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. Now he was looking forward to the city, having the foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Be honest with me. Have you obeyed the word of God to your heart in what you have given? In where you go to church? In where you go to work? Has the Lord directed your steps? Or is Jesus just a casual add-on to an already full life? Or is Jesus everything to you? Is Jesus everything to you? Have you laid your life down on that altar of burnt offering so that you are a living martyr for Jesus Christ? Almighty God, I pray for each person listening to this broadcast today, knowing that every one of them listening has either been tempted and fallen or will be tempted, but you will give them victory to disregard the word you speak to them and for their own comfort and their own survival, they have rejected your word. They have not given what you ask them to give. They have not gone where you ask them to go. They are operating on their own in this world. Lord, I ask you to forgive them and to speak once more into their hearts. And Lord, for those who are walking by faith today as Abraham, not knowing where they're going, but being in absolute agreement with your spirit, I ask you to bless them richly today, to give them strength and courage. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find where the chapel is, where we meet, and you'll be able to access many podcasts and videos. I want you to grow in Jesus. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I want to see you walk clean with Jesus. I'll talk to you soon. Savior to Jesus.